Hey, this is Leslie Thornton, NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist. And if you want to create a life with more meaning, more money, and more freedom, you have to listen to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlick Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, we've got my good friend, Leslie Thornton, on the show. Now, Leslie is an NLP practitioner, hypnotist, and certified coach who has helped hundreds of people around the world overcome the obsession with food, body weight, uh, and weight loss for good. While working as a nurse, Leslie realized the key ingredient to lasting health and wellness was not being shared by doctors and healthcare experts. So she started sharing these secrets with her patients and soon saw a massive impact and a massive opportunity to share hypnosis for permanent weight loss with the masses. Today, she's the founder and CEO of Hypnosis for Permanent Weight Loss, an international and multiple six-figure health coaching organization for people seeking mental freedom from food and body weight issues, and she's the leading expert in the holistic health space. All right. Now, in this episode, we're going to dig deep and talk about how her dieting addiction and health issues started age eight, as it does for a lot of men and women, thanks to her parents, how the subconscious mind works and causes you to never win the weight loss game, no matter how hard you try. We're going to talk about a time when she helped a 350-pound man on the verge of death lose 50 pounds after he'd completely given up and save his life. We're going to talk about how you can start on a healthier weight loss journey today. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all our Sidlik fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlikbook.com. That's S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com to opt in and be notified when our pre-sale for the Shit You Don't Learn in College book opens up August 23rd. It will be an absolute game changer. Everybody who buys the book during the pre-sale launch will get over $3,000 in bonus trainings and programs. So you'll want to head over to sidlikbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C-B-O-O-K.com and check it out now. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And today we've got uh, my good friend, Leslie Thornton on. Now, Leslie, we're going to dig into a, a really crazy idea here that is your business, the idea of hypnosis for permanent weight loss, which as I'm saying this, I can already sense that people are listening to this and they're, they're, they're like, what? 
Um, so we're going to dig into that in a second. But um, for everybody who doesn't know Leslie, I'd love for people to get a background on you, how you got into this space uh, of weight loss, you know, going from what you were seeing as a nurse to obviously where you are today um, and growing a, you know, really a movement. Um, so I'd love for you to just kind of introduce yourself and give a little bit of a background if that's okay. Absolutely. So yeah, Leslie M. Thorne, thanks for having me. NLP practitioner, hypno hypnotherapist, and it started, you know, there I am eight years old and I'm standing in the kitchen and about to get a snack after lunch. And yeah. my mom looks down at me and says, Leslie, you actually have a slower metabolism than your sister's. And you actually need to only have, you know, two cookies rather than four that your sisters can have. And from there, she took out the box, uh, you know, the nutrition label and showed me about calories and about fats and, you know, portion sizes. And this is how it should be. And so there I go back into school and I start telling everybody in the line at recess, like, well, I can't have that because I have a slower metabolism. And then I start showing the nutrition facts and I start like making it a thing that this, and I remember eight years old at at eight eight years years old. old. Yep. That's right. And I think by fourth grade, I was drinking slim fast shakes every morning, uh, on the way to school by eighth grade, I was on weight watchers and, you know, did Atkins and, you know, was always, you know, portioning everything. And I was going to the gym by the time I was 14, which was the minimum age you could go. Yeah. And it was just always something that was just on my mind because it started that young. And, wow. you know, there was a lot of good things that came out of that. Like, obviously, I never became morbidly obese or even, you know, super obese, but, you know, was always a little bit chubbier than my friends, despite my super consciousness and awareness over this. Yeah. And I think it was when I did Weight Watchers when I was in eighth grade that I lost like you know, you're 14 years old, 10 pounds, like was like a lot. And looking in the mirror right before the summer and is in this new bathing suit and was like, mom, never let me gain this weight again. Like I was so happy. Like, I'm like, this is the best day of my life, you know, to look this way. And, you know, then I go to high school and it was a public high school. I went to a Catholic uh, school growing up and then over into the public school. And now there's these vending machines that have oatmeal cream pies and like you can snack during classes and like all these different things. So I started just going at it. My weight goes up and my depression level goes up at the same time. Right. And this this is in high school when, you know, high school girls have no other, you know, nothing else going on in their life. Nothing else, no other relationship stuff and trying to, you know, all that kind of thing. And to be honest, I feel like this kind of isolated me because it always kind of kept me in my mind and feeling like I had to do something different, you know, and I was different than other kids because I had this metabolism thing. So just that direct correlation and that constant roller coaster ride of when my weight is down, I'm happy. And when my weight is up, I'm depressed and living my whole life for that down point and having basically no ability to be present in my day to day life because of the misery I was feeling when the weight was not where I wanted it to be. Oh man, that's great. And so h- how long did that affect you going forward? Cause obviously it didn't just stop after high school, I'm assuming. It did not just stop. So where it kind of came to a head was, uh, I studied abroad. I was a personal trainer at my, um, college gym, got certified as a personal trainer. Cause you know, it's just like a place I always was and, yeah. you know, was on the tennis team and, you know, had a low amount of weight. You know, I was low weight in college, not because I was super trying, but it just happened to be that way. But then I studied abroad 
uh, my senior year of college. And I studied abroad in Oaxaca, Mexico. And I remember looking around, you know, there's 10 people in my class that, you know, traveled with me to go there and being like, nobody knows me here. And realizing like, I can eat any way and they're not going to know that this is right. Because I always had the family kind of looking at me of like, how is she eating? And and that was like, that held me right accountable in a way to like making sure I stayed. So this is like the first time I had that freedom. Yeah. And so I ended up just eating all the Mexican food, all the tacos, all the tortillas. I mean, that's what, that's what I would do. That's like my, that's like heaven for me. <laughs> exactly. And it was like, I was fat and happy and it doubly helped because in Mexico, it's like a normal thing is for women to have 10, 20 pounds extra on their bodies. Yeah. And it was actually a sign of wealth there, right? Yeah. Like I learned from my Com- host comfort mom. Comfort and luxury. Yeah. Exactly. So it was just like, well, here we go. Full permission. You know, everything yeah. says go that way. So came back to the States after my study abroad, and it was probably six months of me still being in this fat and happy land with myself until, you know, one day in college, you know, my senior year, I put on a pair of jeans and I hated the way that they fit. And I just lost it as far as just crying and like, how I can't go on another diet again, because I've just been dieting my entire life. And I know the pain of that. I thought I found the solution by just like being fat and happy and letting it go. But now here I am putting this pair of pants on and I am absolutely miserable. So what the heck am I going to do now? Well, that's like, that's such a, such a serious issue, right? It's like these two, two ends of the spectrum. Like if you're not health aware, it's like you go down this, like you mentioned that you, you can become morbidly obese if you just ignore all of this completely and allow, you know, your subconscious mammalian part of your brain to take over but then there's the complete opposite side of it, which is you get so attached to this, this diet culture. And all of a sudden, like, it, maybe you're fit and skinny, but you're also emotionally unstable and depressed. And like all of these other these other issues come up because of it. 100%. And like, Xander, when I say obsessed, you know, with food, like, I remember there was somebody, a friend of mine that I used to talk to every night, you know, at the end of the day after school. And like, 80% of the conversation was me talking about what I ate, what I didn't do, how am I going to lose the weight? Like my mind was just 90% of the time thinking about that. Like, yeah, just, and nobody would know. Right. And then I would try to share sometimes with people like friends or something, and they just wouldn't understand. Like they, they would just be like, what are you talking about? Like you look fine. And I did look fine, but my mind wasn't fine. You can't see what's going on in my head. Yeah, exactly. And so the clients that I help today, like that's exactly it. You know, to be honest, like the most of the clients that we see, it's like they're, you know, 180, maybe max 190 for the most part. Right. And most of society would accept the way that they look. It's like, okay, like that's average or whatever. They look nice or they look beautiful. They're successful women that are doing well. And in their they're in this mental prison they are just in hell in their mind and it just puts people in this position where they feel like nobody understands me you know like what's wrong with me why can't i stop this this is something that i'm always going to have to deal with for the rest of my life i'm doomed to be fat and they can't enjoy their life and they can't be present with their kids they're passing down to their children this not healthy mindset that they have about their bodies and weight, whether they're vocally saying it or just feeling that way in their own heads, kids pick up on all that stuff. Kids will not, yeah, kids will not follow what you say. They will follow how you behave and what you do and your habits and everything like that. And they live their entire life just trying to prevent themselves from being fat. 
I was just yeah. saying on a podcast that I did the other day of how, you know, I would sign up for classes that were in the evening time so that I wouldn't eat at that time. Like I would wow. literally add stuff to my schedule so that I wouldn't eat. So you'd be and distracted like, almost. Yeah, 100%. My whole life was oriented around can't get fat. Like I wanted to do world travels, which I ended up doing, but I was terrified that on those world travels, I would get fat. And so you'd, I you'd wouldn't it, do that. Let it go and you'd eat everything. Yeah. And then I did do the world travels before I got out of the mental prison. I was on a, you know, bus in New Zealand touring around the whole, you know, country. And there's people all around me and I am stuck in my head. I had a journal and like all that I could write about was like, I can't do this. I can't eat what everybody else is eating. Like just nonstop thinking about wow. this and like totally, you know, destroys that trip. Fast yeah. forward to now, after I've done all the work that I, you know, everything that I did to get out of this, this is what I do for, you know, for my clients in the program. Everything is, you know, tried and tested by me is, you know, I can go on any trip any day. I can do anything and not think about that at all. And that was yeah. not something that I ever thought was possible. I literally thought this is just the plague that I was given and it's an addiction and sorry. And it's just so, not the case. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. And I definitely want to talk about like how you do this with your clients. Cause I think there's a lot of people that really need to understand this. Cause you know, the diet culture out there, uh, like we talked about, it can, can be dangerous when it becomes essentially, it becomes an addiction. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so before we get into that, like there had, was there like a, was there like an epiphany moment for you? Like, what was that like change for you? And you're just like, there has to be a different way. And then how did you solve it for you? I actually was in a relationship where, um, I had started getting out of this. I was in for three and a half years. I was following this super strict, they yeah. called it a lifestyle and it was not that <laughs> it was a horror. It was a crazy diet under disguise, like derivative of FA, you know, same as everything you learn, what lessons you get from that. But as far as, I mean, what it really taught my subconscious mind is how, and this is what I think all diets teach us is how to not trust ourselves, how to not yeah. trust our body and how to not make your own decisions. Yeah. It made me feel like I had to do this. You know, it was basically telling me I'm a food addict. I'm a sugar addict. So I did no sugar, no flour, no alcohol, no nothing, no caffeine, nothing for three and a half years. Yeah. Which you know something that I am a little bit proud of because that takes something. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> takes could do a little that. bit of effort and a little bit of work, yeah. right? And I had the smallest body I've ever had, and got into that you know what people would dream about that actually lasted for a long time. But the mental prison and the isolation was you know extreme. It was extreme. Yeah. So I was dating someone, and I had started kind of getting away because I think my subconscious started waking up a little bit to like. I don't know about this belief that I'm an addict anymore. Like, I don't yeah. know if I resonate with that. And so as belief systems kind of go away, then all of a sudden we're not sticking to the same commitments in the same way that we were before. You're not, you're not identifying as an addict. So why would you stick to that same? So commitment? why would I stick to that program? Exactly. Yeah. So I had started like slowly putting on some weight and he actually called me one day on his way into work and said, Hey, I, this might bother you a little bit, but I was just looking at photos from us, um, from yeah. a few months back. And he's like, you've put on weight, just period, yeah. just end of, end of statement. Right. And yeah. I lost it. Like I lost it. And yeah. so many lessons came out of that, you know, obviously, you know, other than, but the main lesson was the fact that this was such a trigger for me. Yeah. Like 
I couldn't handle it. The amount of anger that came up, the amount of just, oh, it was, right? Because weight was tied with your happiness at this point. Exactly. I was just so identified Mm -hmm. with that. Like that was like the one thing I could hang my hat on of like, you know, you know, and I was like the annoying kind of dieter that every new (laughs) diet that I found, I'd be like, this is the thing. Like you all have to do this. You're all stupid for eating sugar. Like you can't, you know, all this, you know, like priding myself. I knew all the latest research. I knew everything that gluten does to you and dairy. I knew all the things and I'm preaching it. Right. And then on my stressful days, I'd be binging on that stuff in secret yeah. because I have no safe place to be a human being to just allow yourself to yeah. allow myself to have that stuff once in a while. Yeah. So from that whole thing with my ex-partner saying that to me at the time and the trigger and whatever, and obviously, thank God, I'm a self-aware person to take full responsibility for my trigger and like, OK, this is something that needs to be healed within myself. Yeah. Um, I knew that I needed to find a way that I could, I would, I actually was in a coaching program at the time and I was looking at these women that were a little bit heavier set, but they were beautiful. Yeah. Like they were just radiant and like, and love and yes, yeah. they were just like, and phenomenal <laughs> leaders as women. And yeah. I was like, how do I want to be like that? Like, how do I get some of that? So then I just knew within myself that it was more about like, I want to learn how to love and accept my body. I want to learn how to be present in my day-to-day life. I want to get past my obsession with food. There was a woman that I met who used to also be a part of the super strict food program I was in, who she was, had, you know, bulimia and was like really like even more severe than mine was. And she actually, you know, had a program where she got out of that. And I was like, if someone who is that addicted right? Could get out of that. Then why can't I? Yeah. Like, I don't want to believe this anymore. Like this is the worst. So <laughs> then I just started going off and looking for, you know, how can I find that and did this big journey within myself to get present to, you know, how food made me feel and the emotions that were actually underneath it, you know, deep somatic work of, you know, different childhood traumas that don't have to necessarily be a big trauma, which I didn't really have, but like, things that were under the surface that were causing me to unconsciously. And one of the main emotions, I was always Xander, the type of person that'd be like, oh, I don't feel anger. Like, no, 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 I'm never mad. Like, no, 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 no. What a lie that was. Because one of the things that also dieting does is it masks your emotion. Right. So when we feel, so I noticed for myself, I was like, oh, there's like a time period I was, I was following that plan where I was like, you know what? I feel pretty good. Like, I don't think I need to follow this and I'm still going to eat like a sane person. Well, then I had a client interaction that triggered the heck out of me. And so there I am. And it's like, now I'm binging on all this stuff because I don't have the false sense of safety and security of that rigid plan that I always follow. And I right. noticed myself in that moment of being like, I got to get back on that diet right now. And it's like the go-to. Save me to, to, yeah. It's the go-to that all human beings have. It's like the one thing that we can control is what it is that we're eating. So yeah. when we feel emotionally distraught, our brains just automatically, if you come from diet mentality of like, got to sign up for that diet so fast, which is why the weight loss industry is a multi-million because it's really emotions at the end of the day that human beings just have no idea what to do. And a diet will mask those feelings. Yeah. Right. So having to do the hard work and face the fears of feeling these emotions that I was terrified of knowing what anger actually felt like, like, oh, that's anger. 
Wow. You know, and realizing that my binging on stuff, which by the way, I never binged before I did this super strict program because now, because there's such a level of scarcity in my brain that the second I, you know, make a decision to have something that is on the never have again list. It's on overdrive. Yeah. It's crazy overdrive. Like weird stuff, being in a 7-Eleven in Thailand and just like going down the aisles of like buying all this stuff like a junkie. It's it's so it's so interesting when, you know, as you're bringing that up, because, you know, Maddie and I have talked about this a lot because Maddie had PCOS. Right. And, you know, obviously part of having PCOS is you have weight gain, you have other things that go on. And, you know, when she was she was gaining weight, she's always been, you know, really fit, tiny girl. And so when she started to gain weight, she, you know, she kind of got into some of that diet culture. She would... Uh, you know, she'd, she'd get onto, you know, no carbs and no sugars and this and that, but same thing. We used to talk about this. Um, you know, she'd like when, when, uh, you know, chocolate would come up, you know, it's like, as soon as like one piece of chocolate would hit her mouth, it's like game over. Done. Like I'm eating that whole, whole damn bar, thing of chocolate. Maybe going you know, for another one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe going and find maybe driving to the store yeah. and buying three. Um, but like now, you know, like as she understands, like, you know, eat what I want and like just understand intuitively how to follow that with her body and not have it linked to emotions, you know, she'll have like one nibble of chocolate and be like, that was great. Like yep. I'm good. I'm 100%. done. Like I don't, I don't crave it. I don't want any more. Right. But so, so much of it, it seems like is tied to this emotion. So I, I have to ask you, you're talking about like, you know, the, the emotional cravings and somatic work, like let's dig into that for a second. Like, you, you know, we're talking, you and I are both obviously practitioners of psychosomatic work and, and the deep work like that. Like, can you share with our audience? Like, what's that, what's that like, like being able to like find some of these emotional ties and how does that work with people? Yeah, well, step number one that I bring people through is just the hypnosis itself, right? Yeah. So just the being able to actually separate because, you know, we, as we both know, 95% of the results that you get is what's in the subconscious mind, you know, all your yeah. automatic habits and patterns is just ingrained in there. And, you know, the way that you saw your parents eat or your family or whatever, like that's just the way that's going to be normal for you, right? So yeah, that's, that's just already programmed in your brain like a computer. Exactly. So if mom or dad had a thing about being fat or their body stuff, then chances are you also have incompletions in that area, yeah. right? So just having that awareness. So the conscious mind wants to lose weight really bad. The subconscious mind's job is to help keep us safe. Yeah. Right. So there's that conflict. So it's like every day, you know, wake up in the morning and you're like, I am going to eat perfectly and stick to my plan today. And then by 2 p.m., you know, your hands in the chip bag and you're not (laughs) doing that. And you're like, how the heck did I get here? And you're like, and then it's scary because you kind of spiral because you're like, what's wrong with me? I'm out of control. I can't help this. You're broken. Now you lose self-worth. Now you lose confidence. Exactly. And then you're just in that vicious cycle over and over again. So what the hypnosis does is it gets your subconscious mind and your conscious mind to be in agreement. Got it. So, and the way that it works. not fighting. Not fight it. Exactly. I feel like like 95% of my subconscious would always beat the 5% subconscious. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 5% conscious, right? 100%. Yep. So we spend all this time trying to fix and change the conscious mind with all the diets and the strategies and the logic for how to do this. When in reality, it's actually so much of just getting your mind into the, you know, theta state of sleep you know, and feeding in those different messages. So acknowledging the fact that those are there, 
right? A big part of this is like the feeling the bad feelings that are there versus trying to numb away from them, which is our automatic pattern or, you know, thing that we try to do. And then instill in the messages that are, you know, more supportive about the way you want to be. Go ahead. I want to hit, I want to hit on that in a second because you said the first step and I don't want to gloss over this because we've probably had, I don't know, maybe five or six interviews where one of the main topics that people have brought up in terms of success is not having a fear of feeling bad feelings, mm. right? You know, I, obviously this is something I'm a huge fan of. We had, I, I know we had Sharon talk about it. We had Steve talk about it. We've had, a, I think, uh, um, Shanda talked about it as well, but like this, this fear of feeling the negative and the fear of feeling your fear, feeling fears, fear of fear, fear of feeling, you know, failures and all of these things. Like that's what causes a lot of this stuff. And you're saying that's the first step, which is kind of scary for a lot of people. But as soon as you accept that, you can kind of move forward, right? Yep. All day long, we'll strategize and people will be thinking a hundred miles per hour. I used to think that I had the smartest brain in the world because I'd just be analyzing. Like as soon as my head hit the pillow, I would just be like a thinking machine. But then one day I realized like, no, I actually have- We pride that in a logic-driven world. Yes, exactly. Yeah, one day I realized, I was like, no, actually, I have one of the weakest brains in the world because I can't get my mind to shut up ever. It's just running on autopilot all the time. So, but to go back to the thing, it's like the, the reason that the mind is doing that is because it's another way to numb past the bad feelings. So when we actually get into a place and I did not feel safe enough until I had support to feel these hard feelings, but to feel those hard feelings, right? They're always going to be there in the background, ready to haunt you when you can't, you know, will your way over the top of those. So yes, acknowledging the bad feelings, you know, there's so much science being done around like, you know, manifestation and the actuality of, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like step number one is like list out all the things that you don't want to have happen just to let that go. And then you have space now to implement the things that it is that you really do want to focus on. I have clients all the time that are like, I don't want to write down my fears. I don't want to write down the things because I'm afraid that then it's going to come true. So it's just an education deficit of actually acknowledging the fact that you're scared of gaining weight or you're terrified of getting fat, like plain and simple, right? Like now we have some juice to be able to work on. That's amazing. So, so we feel these fears and then, then you mentioned, uh, now we start to get to, to toy around and implant some better messages. So t- yeah. give me, give me a little bit of insight on what that's like. It's like my body is lean, strong, and healthy. Yeah. Like I choose foods that bring me happiness and joy in my body. Yeah. I choose moderate portions at meals. I yeah. am in tune with my body and I'm happy to nourish it with whatever makes it feel alive. Yeah. And, and you're, you're basically ha- programming that subconscious with these new messages. So it starts to behave that way. 100%. The reticular activating system, the part, if you go to buy a new black Honda Civic, it'll, you know, you'll see black <laughs> Honda Civics everywhere. So yep. you're listening to this, you know, the first time I listened to the hypnosis, I fell asleep. And the next day yep. though, I mean, I was in a place where I would be waking up and being like, where's the coffee? You know, where's the food? You know, I'd be packing up my bag every day. I was living in San Francisco at the time, you know, at my sister's house and like lifeguarding at this place downtown or whatever, walking through the tenderloin with all these drug dealers and stuff. Anyway, I'd be packing my bag and like running through the city or whatever. And, you know, I'd be like, okay, I have enough food. Like I'd be like a squirrel, like packing all this food in And then like at the first, like maybe in the first hour, like it'd be all gone. And then I'd be like, oh my God, now I don't have any and I need to buy some more, like all these weird things. And like, 
I'm a nurse, like I'm a successful person. Like, why would that be happening to me? Like I have a good family, right? But just explain that to normalize the fact that like it's happening all around us. Like I think more than 50% of humanity is dealing with these kinds of thoughts and weird behaviors with food, with the amount that our society emphasizes, you know, food and culture and diet culture. We just don't know that it's happening. It's really getting in the way of people being able to live their lives. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. So obviously, uh, obviously, this is now something that you do. You help people with this. So you know, you you used to be a nurse. I'm sure you saw a lot of issues in the healthcare system with, you know, you know, a lot of. I have a couple of friends that call it a sick care system. Right? It's like we try and help people once they're sick, rather than preventing them from getting to that point. Yeah. Um. So obviously, now you you transition from being a nurse to actually you know, really going after this. So, so kind of tell me about that transition and and what you guys are doing now. Yeah. So first it was, you know, me in San Francisco, not wanting to be a grown up yet at age 23, you know, with my nursing degree and like, maybe I can make something else happen. And then, you know, I had the hypnosis myself and I got to a place where I was like, all right, I'm ready to actually make some money. So moved back to Albany, New York, started working as a nurse and said to myself like, all right, I'm going to do this for two years And then, you know, I'll have enough money to be able to travel, do the other things that I want to do. So I remember, you know, working as a nurse and it was one of my first, um, I can't remember what you call it, admissions, right? So patient comes up from the ER or whatever. And I worked on a kidney transplant unit. This guy was like 350 pounds, nicest guy and just, you know, kidney failure. And in order to get a kidney transplant, you need to show that you can lose a certain amount of weight. And this guy's literally just a ticking time bomb. And he's crying to me. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And he's just like, I can't, for whatever reason, I've done everything. Like I'm literally trying so hard and I just can't stop eating. And I was like, I understand. Like, I know what that's like, you know? And so I was kind of toying with myself as a new nurse of like, can I share with him about this hypnosis? And I made the decision to do that. And then it was like six months later, he like, I walked into a room. He wasn't my patient that day, but he was like, oh my God. He was like, I was hoping that I'd see you here. He was down 50 pounds and off three blood pressure medications oh just from doing the hypnosis that I recommended to him. Yeah. And I was around surgeons 24 seven and like weight was an issue all the time with like yep. with that clientele. And they'd be like, well, if they would just stop drinking that soda, like, I can't believe it. Like, what is that that they're eating? Like, how, like angry at them, which I understand, you know, because, you know, their subconscious didn't have these same programs as that person's subconscious. They can't understand what it's like. And they had no idea what that pain was like, but I did. And so I just was like, I can't with integrity, like stay in this space when I know what I know about this, you know, where I could get to these people way sooner before they're on their deathbeds, you know, wishing that they did so many things different in their life. So I tried for a while to make a difference, you know, as part of the wellness committee and like the alternative health sector of the hospital and all that, and um, was around these nurses that had been there for a while in the holistic sector. And they were like, well, you're not going to get anything like that going here. And yeah. so it basically just too made much, me too know much bureaucracy, that, too much red tape. Exactly. I was also going for my master's at the time. And I got to this crossroads where it was like, do I spend my whole life fighting against this system by going up the ladder with my education and to start basically like being a lawyer, you know, of yeah. advocating for what's wrong and broken, or I can go over here and I kind of like by default found coaching and fell madly in love with it, like go over here 
and start my own movement and hope that it makes a big enough difference for the people that it matters to. So I think it was like two and a half years, something like that into it that I, yeah, started my own practice, got certified as a coach. And then um, in my practice coaching with clients, I was just teaching them about the hypnosis. They're like, Leslie, we don't want you to teach us. We just want you to do it. And (laughs) I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just do what I did for myself because I hypnotized myself. And so I did it over the phone, which who the heck does it over the phone? And then the next week, the client comes back. She's like, Leslie, whatever you did last week, do it again. I've never (laughs) felt more free around food in my life. And I was like, what? This actually works? So then I started Googling hypnotherapists that work over the phone. Turns out all the success rate of all of these hypnotherapists that do that contacted someone who was right down the road for me at the time who was a hypnotherapist and said, hey, I was thinking like I could do the coaching and you could do the hypnosis. He's like, no, I don't do that, but I certify people in hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming. So I ended up paying this guy $4,000 to certify me in these things. And, you know, I just felt like my path has been kind of led, you know, of just like the perfect people and situations, you know, coming across my way to just help me carry this mission and get more people to know about it. And you're part of that. So thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Of course, of course. Um, so, so, yeah, so obviously, you know, obviously I, I, I'm hoping that there's a lot of people listening to this right now and realizing, you know, what is possible and, and, and understanding like, you know, if you are feeling stuck, you don't have to be. Um, so obviously, you know, if, if, if you're listening to this and like, you know, you're like, damn, I need some of this. You know, my first thing that I would say is, you know, make sure to go to lesliamthornton.com uh, and we'll give you guys the link to that in the show notes to check out Leslie's stuff, check out her podcast. Um, but Leslie, for anybody that's listening to this and they're just like, what's, what's maybe like one first step that I can take to start to go down this path? What would you suggest to people? I think just admit that this is a problem. Yeah. That this has been a problem for a long time and like you've had some success with weight loss in the past. But having that awareness that it's something that's way deeper than just the food and the diet and just like having that real conversation with yourself of like, is something really happening here that's making progress in this area? Am I okay with living my life this way Yeah. or not? And if the answer is no, it's, you know, coaching is in the world of you can't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. And all of hypnosis and the subconscious work is in the territory of unknown, And it's nothing that your brain can understand. All my clients know everything. They could teach me about everything with food, body, and weight the same way that I could. But knowing makes no difference. So just ask for help and and don't try to push it away anymore if it's getting in the way. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Leslie. Um, I got a couple of quick personal questions for you. Obviously, this being the You Don't Learn in College podcast before I let you go. Um, The first one that that I have to ask is, you know, for, for you, I know you very well, obviously you're, you're a very mission minded person. Um, but I have to ask, how would you define success in your life? What, what does success mean to you? (sighs) Success to me means, well, something that I know about integrity is just like without integrity, nothing works, you know? And like, Same thing with the reason that we feel so good when we're, you know, kicking butt in our diets and our exercise plan is because we're doing what we say that we're going to do day in and day out. And to me, like that is the source of all human beings being happy and successful is just doing what you say you want to do. And the, the place where we experience pain and suffering is when we're not actually being honest with what it is that we actually want to do. So that we really truly want. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, you know, to say that you want to lose weight when in reality, there's this little whisper that says like, I actually just want to learn how to love and accept my body and be free from food. Like there will always be that conflict. So as soon as you do what you say that you're going to do and have that integrity 100% with yourself and go at it, despite what anybody else says to me, that's, that's success, happiness and success and fulfillment. I love that. Uh, and obviously this being the shit you don't learn in college podcast, what's one thing you wish you learned in school? Emotional mastery. Yeah. I wish that somebody told me how emotionally challenging being a human being was and how to handle it. Yeah. And how to just show up in a way where it's like you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to have it all figured out. We're all just making this thing up. Nobody actually knows the answers, you know, and here's how you can best deal with, you know, the emotions and the hard stuff when it's coming up so that you don't just have to turn to food or your vice of choice. What, whatever other addiction and exactly. vice of choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that. Uh, beautiful, Leslie. I think this has been absolutely awesome. Um, what's on the horizon for you and where can people learn more about you and, and find out about hypnosis for weight loss? Yeah, well, on the horizon, as you know, I'm going for a training to get to be able to certify people in neurolinguistic programming and timeline therapy and coaching and hypnosis. So excited for that, you know, to be able to bring that to our program. And yeah, where you can find me, you know, the podcast hypnosis for permanent weight loss and, you know, share it with a friend. There's so many people out there that need this work and we'll be there to answer any questions that you have. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Leslie. I think this is, this is going to be really big for a lot of people listening to this. Uh, and obviously for all of our Sidlick fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sydlicbook.com. That's sidlickbook.com to opt in and be notified when our pre-sale for Shit You Don't Learn in College book opens up August 23rd. It's going to be an absolute game changer. Uh, And for everybody who buys the book during the pre-sale launch, you're going to get over $3,000 in bonus trainings and programs. Uh, So you'll want to head over to www.sidlickbook.com to check it out now. One of those trainings will actually help you with emotional mastery, just like Leslie was talking about. Leslie, thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate it a ton. Thanks so much, Xander. Thanks for all you do. Absolutely. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.